0: Welcome to the Servant Leaders Mindset Podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. Lena Holmes. I'm an executive leadership coach, organizational growth consultant, and minister of the gospel. The Servant Leaders Mindset Podcast is designed to discuss critical skills and competencies for effective leadership. The show also includes informational talks and compelling interviews, With leadership experts from various backgrounds. So, without further ado, let's start the show in progress. Hey, everybody, welcome to the show. Today's show will focus on healing ministry. To have this discussion, I've invited my very special guest, the Reverend Dr. David Chakka. You said it right. Well done. David Chalka is the founder and director of Spirit Equipped Ministries, a cross-denominational equipping ministry focused on developing spiritual disciplines. He's also the chair of the Alliance Pray Team, a ministry developed by the General Assembly of the Christian Missionary Alliance of Canada. The team serves as a catalyst to develop prayer-equipping resources and events in the healing prayer movement and beyond. He recently published an amazing book, which we're going to talk about, with Dr. Matt C. Dunham, titled Healing Prayer. Welcome to the show, David.
1: Thank you. It's a delight to be here.
0: So before we start talking about the book, I'd like to start with talking about how the healing ministry has impacted your life personally. Could you please share with the audience your personal testimony
1: of your wife's miraculous healing? Oh, that's a okay. There's <laughs> there's many stories here, but yes, that, that one forever changed my life. Yes. So um, I fell in love with this girl, and her mother had FSH muscular dystrophy. Her sister has FSH muscular dystrophy. and niece has it. She has it. And FSH is fascio-scapular-humular muscular dystrophy. It means you don't die young, but you lose muscle mass, and you wind up having the back muscles and your, your abdominal muscles disintegrate. You have difficulty being able to rise, and if you damage a muscle, you lose it forever. And it's a plateau-decline disease. And so uh, you'll be fine for two or three years at a particular plateau, and then suddenly there'll be catastrophic loss, and then you'll plateau again. And so by the time you... When you're in your you're in your teens, you start to feel pain in your shoulder blades. They go out of position. Uh, your face sags, uh, but you're still able to function. Then you come to into your 30s, and uh, you start to lose uh, a lot more. And then you plateau for a while, and eventually you wind up in a wheelchair. So my mother-in-law lived to 85. You know, she lived that uh, ripe old age, but she died uh, using a wheelchair and adaptations, things for all of her life. And from the time she was in her 50s and 60s, right through till the time she died, she was adapting to everything and the genes, uh, reduplicate. And so it gets worse with generation after generation. So, uh, my wife's sister and her were, you know, set to, to have less uh, capacity than her mother. At any rate, here's what happened. Uh, the girl loved me. Hey, she met, she laughed at my bad jokes. (laughs) So anyway, when the decision came to marry, uh, I knew, that I would be uh, pushing a wheelchair at the end of my life. I knew it. And that was a hard part in making the decision to marry. But in fact, she was the first girl to accept me just as I am. So I said, let's do this. And we got married. And, uh, you know, it, in the first couple of years, it didn't seem to matter much. With the birth of our son, she lost a lot of muscle mass. She lost a lot of tissue. And so uh, we decided not to uh, to get pregnant again. And we adopted our daughter. But moving on to the rest of the story, um what happened was, she was in a particularly bad state. We moved to a church in Alberta. It was a it was a fairly large congregation. When we arrived, it had seven hundred. When we left, it had about eleven hundred people in it. Multiple mm. services on a weekend, wow. and so it was uh, a lot of work. And the, you know, <laughs> the, the difference between small church and big church. You work just as hard, but you work differently. <laughs> you, you, you have to find staff to carry out your things. But regardless of this, excellence becomes the order of the day. And there was lots and lots and lots of intellectual work as well as people work and so on. But uh, she was in this place where she was starting to decline. We had purchased a house with stairs to go up to the bathroom and, and to her bedrooms. And if she was going to go up the stairs, she had to literally grab her leg and lift it a little bit to pos- position it on the step move Mm -hmm. the other leg to do the same grab a hold of the banisters on both sides and gradually pull herself up and it would take 25 30 minutes for her to do six or seven steps she could not raise her arms higher than her shoulders at that point in the game and it was getting increasingly difficult for me to travel i was doing itinerant work as well as local church pastoring with the alliance pray team traveling to alliance fields across the earth and Mm -hmm. um I'd spoken in 17 different countries. And the bottom line was uh, I was going to have to think about not doing that. We were going to buy ourselves a house with one floor. But one of the things that we did do was to partner with two American congregations to help North Uganda rebuild. That mm-hmm. area had been ravaged by Joseph Kony, that awful, you know, this guy called himself the Lord's Resistance Army. But the Lord had nothing to do with that evil man. He was cutting mm. people's arms and legs off and taking out their tongues and raping things. And, oh, I don't want to describe the horrors that that man did, but he ravaged the north of Uganda. Together with Edia Amin, those two of them, it was a really sad thing in north Uganda. If somebody could read, they could be the school teacher. I mean, there was no education. Mm. There was no health care. There was nothing. And uh, as it turned out, there was a revival that was beginning to take place. And there were church leaders who had survived the onslaught, who were trying their best to rebuild in North Uganda. And my congregation partnered with two American ones to go over there. So there was an organizing bishop, and he was, uh, he was a charismatic kind of a guy. You know, he was always doing amazing things, and he had managed to organize between 750 and 1,200 pastors to come for educational purposes, and then he'd do a big crusade, and we do this together. So anyway, I, I, I participated in that, and my congregation uh, spent a lot of money to help them get started, et cetera, and they wanted to meet this guy. So we flew him in to uh, Canada to do an event. And at this point in the game, my wife's health was rapidly diminishing. She She was utterly unable to go up those steps. I already described it to you, and we were very seriously thinking about getting a one-floor home and seeing what we could do to accommodate around that. And so, you know, and we're praying all the time. I'll just tell you something. Here is the strange irony, Lena. She would pray for people and they get healed. Mm. We would pray for her and she wasn't healed. And we didn't, we didn't make any sense of this. In fact, there's one story in the book. Where she prays for a girl named Tammy and I have Tammy's written testimony. Tammy had had her eye damaged when she was pulling down a decoration from a wall. He'd, she had her cornea and her pupil scratched and it was punctured and oh, it was terrible. My wife and I prayed for that girl together with 14 others. We watched her eyeball grow back and mm-hmm. she got, I mean, this happened when my wife was declining from muscular dystrophy. So we were in this kind of strange, already not yet kind of life. So here's what happened. There's a bishop who comes and he's speaking in the church and he's telling dramatic war stories. I mean, he's he's talking about how 300,000 intercessors... We're praying against Joseph Kony's army for the Ugandan army, and he's telling deliverance from death stories with people praying and somebody's bullet missing somebody else's body and that kind of thing. Of course, everybody in the church is sitting on the edge of their seats. It's a packed congregation. It was the last service of the three we did on the weekend, and people from the first to the second service came to the third one. So it was overpacked, and it was standing room only. The sanctuary sat about 400 to 450 people. And we had 650 people in that sanctuary lined up against the walls. I was actually sitting on the steps of the platform next to the guy who was preaching, looking out over the congregation. Cause there was no seat for me. <laughs> <laughs> at any rate, my wife sat two rows from the front. We'll be back after a quick break.
0: Are you enjoying this episode? Are you seeking to become a more effective and confident leader on the job at home or in business, then we encourage you to invest in yourself by taking advantage of insights plus consulting coaching packages. IPC's coaching programs help you to apply proven leadership strategies within your individual context. My personal experience and the experience of countless others have proven beyond a reasonable doubt that these strategies work. In this time of changing work culture and family life, having the leadership skills to navigate change can make the difference between failure and success. Our coaching packages are affordable and flexible. To learn more, visit our website at www.insightsplus.consulting and schedule a free, no-pressure
1: consultation. And this man had a thick Ugandan accent, and we had to be careful to listen to him. And he was telling one of these dramatic stories, and he stopped. And he looked down at me, and he said, in his accent, I don't want to make fun of the accent, I'm just trying to capture the, the sense. He said, David, David, what is MA? Mm. And I thought, MA? Master of Arts? I don't know. <laughs> and then he he did this he said no 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 it's a it's a wasting muscle disease no sorry so he said he put his head in the pulpit he waited and then he looked up and he said it's a wasting muscle disease and whoever has this it starts in your head and it goes down into your shoulders your face sags you lose muscle control your shoulder blades get out of position You come into chronic pain between 16 and 20. You have scoliosis in your spine. You damage a muscle and you lose it. And he went on and gave a medically accurate, perfect description of FSH muscular dystrophy. Wow. and in fact as he was doing this of course the small hairs are rising on the back of my head in fact the small hairs vanish from the top of my head <laughs> if anybody's watching my ball is cute anyway I was just I was in awe as he was saying this and now of course I'm looking at my wife because I'm realizing he's describing my wife's medical condition and then he said this as I was looking at my wife from that seat at the front of the church with this packed congregation he said whoever has this condition Jesus has just healed you. Mm -hmm. And her arms went above her head for the first time in more than 20, 25 years. She'd not been Mm -hmm. able to do that. All pain from her body vanished. And we had guests who had come to hear this guest preacher come from Vancouver to to our church just outside of Edmonton. And so the plan was to, to take care of them. And I was to go home and get the heavy pots off the top shelves so that she could cook in the kitchen to prepare for everybody who was staying with us. She pushed me out of the way. She climbed up and she took down the, hot, the pots and pans herself and cooked mm-hmm. the meal right there. And about a week later, this is funny, a week later, my son, my daughter, who is a very sweet, kind little girl, we adopt her, was was making fun of her brother. And her brother was doing everything in his power to be Christian. But she was pushing every single button that she could think of. And she never does this. (laughs) Finally, I was about to discipline my daughter when my wife lost it. And she stomped her foot and she said, Jessica, Chotka, that's enough. And she grabbed her by the hand. And she ran her up the stairs and made her pick up her toys and made her make her bed and made her brush her teeth and ran her down the stairs, got her in the van and took her to school. And we were so mad at her. We didn't realize for three hours that my wife had run up the stairs. She wow. got down and helped pick up the toys and then raced our wow. daughter down into the car. We were just so mad. We didn't. And then we looked at each other and we said, you ran up the stairs. You haven't run up the stairs since I've met you. I mean, this, this was, this was you were, we're talking decades where it was just the most incredible, amazing thing. And wow. I have to tell you that the day after the healing occurred, Ordinarily, I'd have to go to, to my wife's side of the bed. She'd have to put her arms on my shoulders. And I'd have to lift her to get her to the shower so she could limber up enough to be able to move the lower part of her body. Mm-hmm. She jumped out of bed and went to the shower by herself. It was mm-hmm. the most incredible, amazing thing. Now, I wow. should tell you about the difference between the, between the way Western people and African tribal people see miracle. So uh, th- this part's not in the book, but I think sure, it's really, sure. it's really, it's really important. So mm-hmm. when that happened, of course, all kinds of people in the church knew us. Uh, we were had been there almost five years at that point, and so we were not strangers to the congregation. And many people were our friends. Some ladies from the church had come and helped my wife clean because she couldn't move furniture heavy objects. And so it was really humbling for my wife to have to do that, but they would come Mm. and help and they knew, and they were sitting all around us when this happened. Everybody in the church, absolutely everybody walked up and said, we are so astonished, amazed, and we're so happy for you. God has granted you this mercy. And, you know, that was the way that everybody in the church talked. There had to be, there had to be 300 of those conversations, easily 300 of those. Mm -hmm. So my wife and I went to Uganda together the for the next trip. And she led a, a women's ministry thing, and I did the teaching for the pastors and so on because the, the bishop had now met her, and this is amazing. Anyway, we're we're in Africa, and we're in a church, and we're telling the story. And I don't know if you've ever been in an African church. When they worship, they dance. Oh, my yeah, yeah, so, heavens. I've
0: heard.
1: Oh, it's, they pick up their chairs, and they start moving their chairs over their heads, and they dance around the room. And they started doing that, and then they looked at us, and they said, God has visited your congregation. God has visited your city. A great wonder has happened so that the gospel can be proclaimed throughout your region. And they didn't want to know the details. They wanted to take advantage of the opportunity to tell the gospel to the town. And so this, yeah. And so I that Mm -hmm. night, my wife and I, we're we're scratching our heads over this very thing. I mean, the Canadians and the Americans all said, congratulations, isn't this amazing? And the Ugandans said, God has raised up something in your people. So that night we were looking at Luke in in our studies, in our devotions. It was Luke 7. It was the story of Jesus raising the widow of Nain's son from the dead. Mm. And there's two crowds. There's There's the burial crowd coming out of this little town called Nain. And there's this big crowd following Jesus as he's doing signs and wonders and teaching and so on. And the two crowds meet. There's this dead boy in a coffin. Mm-hmm. Jesus looks at the widow and says, no, don't, gr- don't grieve. And she, he walks over, puts his hand on the side of the coffin. The boy sits up and he's alive. And this, this incredible miracle happens. And the response of the crowd was like this. They did not say, congratulations. This is amazing. They said, a great prophet has arisen among us. God has visited his people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was the exact response of the Ugandan tribals that I was Interesting. with yeah. in comparison to the, so here's what I believe about gifts of healing. They're not given to the individual. They're given to the cluster of relationships around the individual. Mm-hmm. And gifts of healing are not located in one person who prays for another. Mm. Gifts of healing are located in the power of the Holy Spirit who lands on the person who's receiving the healing and lands on the people who are praying for the recipient. And together they share gifts of healing. Mm, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and so so and, and and the bottom line is the Lord's the Lord doesn't want any one person to get the glory for this. He right. wants many people to get the He wants God to get the glory for this. Right. Absolutely. So, i no, should tell you can, yeah can i tell one yeah. more story
0: sure sure well, well actually i just want to get into the book cuz i know i mean the time goes by so quickly so i just want to make sure we get into the book because there it's really important for the audience to to know as well so let's talk about your book a little bit which again i can't stress enough that everyone i have i've never ador- in, really endorsed a book on my show okay <laughs> so Um, This is very special. So um, anybody in ministry leadership uh, should buy this book just because I have, as I had shared with you, I've read a million healing books. I mean, over the years, I'm telling you, I at least read at least 50 or more healing books. But this is different. So I say that and say, I just want you to kind of talk just a little bit about and then I would like to get to some of the things that you said in the book. Uh, to explain to the audience. Um, So why did you decide to to write the book? And what was the inspiration for you and Maxie getting together to, to write this book? Oh, that's a
1: very long story. (laughs) Well, actually, well, bottom line was uh, the very thing you're talking about. I was not satisfied that the whole council of God had been sought out in this. Because I believe that medicine, miracle, and mystery intertwine. And you don't see most of that. You don't see that kind of combination in most of the writing. You see the odd author who addresses one aspect or the middle aspect or the last aspect. But bringing all three together in a comprehensive whole and dialoguing with scripture around how that works was the thing that was disturbing for me. I couldn't, I couldn't find it. Uh, As I was saying before, the closest book I ever came to really saying I can sanction this was written by Roman Catholic author uh, uh, Francis McNutt. And he wrote a book called Healing way back in the ni- around 1970. But since that time, I mean, there's not been a lot of writing that mm-hmm. has this particular kind of balance. You get writing from the 1970s and 80s. I think uh, John Wimber wrote a book in the 90s. Uh, I think it was called Power Healing, and, and that one is closer as, as well. But still, you, I don't. I didn't find books that would bring the overlap of the powers of heaven and the sordid reality of earth overlapping. That kind of already not yet scenario what interwoven into the fabric of our life. But the other side of this was I kept tripping into miracles of divine healing. (laughs) (laughs) And I kept tripping into holy mystery. Mm. So in fact, tomorrow night, my wife and I are going to go visit the town where I pastored for years. And we're going to be with friends, the same group of couples that I'm talking about when I'm talking about a a man by the name of Bob in the story. And uh, Bob was a fella who I, I had arrived in Chatham, Ontario uh, from my very first day in the office and my, the team in the office said to me, you need to go and visit this man before the day is done. Uh, Cause they, they've requested to see the new pastor. So, you know, I mean, I hadn't even unpacked my boxes yet. I get in the car. I drive down the road. I sit down with this man. He's got an oxygen mask on. He's, he's got the thing up his nose and his color is very, very poor. It looks like he's dying. I, I prayed a prayer of comfort with him and I drove home and I remember the first conversation I had coming from my first day of work was with my wife saying, I think I have a funeral in a few days. I mean, that was that serious. Mm. And uh, he, he was obviously a Christian believer. What I didn't know, cause I just arrived. The elders had booked in to see him that night mm. and the elders from the church came and they prayed for him and the cancer went right into remission immediately. And wow. within a week he was playing golf down in North, in South Carolina, <laughs> at Myrtle Beach. And so anyway, he had this amazing remission, and then we had a prayer time with him shortly after that, where he just started to laugh, the only way, I could, so we started to pray, and he just started to laugh, and the laughter went on, we were in a different town, in a different city, and we had a three-hour drive, and uh, we were at, at some sort of an event, you know, And and he said, you know, I really would like some prayer, and we said, oh, okay, let's do that, so we prayed, And he just began to experience this joy of the spirit. And we got in the car, we drove three hours. He laughed for three hours all the way home. (laughs) And then he he became quite well. And so he actually went on to become an elder in my church. And he was what I call the Bible thumper guy. You know, he, if, if the board was going astray, he would look us in the eye, open up the scripture and say, read this. (laughs) Everybody would say, oh, okay. Yeah, we better obey the Bible, you know? So he was, and, and then three and a half years in the cancer returns mm. and over four years and in the fourth year he dies and I do the funeral and I have to tell you something. He had become a great friend. He was part of this group of four couples that I used to be belong to. And I'm going to see the three of those four couples tomorrow. Anyway, these, these four, we all just did fun things together. We had, we laughed together. We teased each other. And these two guys, Bob and Bill, they would banty these crazy jokes until we were in stitches. It was this crazy kind of fun group of people to be with And I gather with these other couples just after the funeral. And they're thanking God for his healing. I said, he Mm. died at 55. I just buried him. What are you talking Mm. about? Mm. And they said, you didn't know him before that prayer where he left. I said, well, what are you talking about? And they said, he was clinically depressed for Mm. 12 years. And the elders prayed for his physical health. And he had a remission of cancer. And you prayed for him, and, and and he began to laugh. And the clinical depression completely vanished from his life. Wow. And he was given as a gift to his wife for the next three and a half, four years. Mm. And so there was this already not yet thing happening in his life, where the Lord granted him healing from uh, a remission of cancer for three years, granted him to be completely healed of clinical depression. And when he died, he died at peace with God. Mm. Now, I, I still miss him sorely. And going to see those three couples tonight to have mm. some fun. We're going to go a, a Christmas comedy show kind of thing. We're going to do, go do that. Oh,
0: nice. It's,
1: it's, it's very sweet. But I mean, we're going to talk about him and we're going to miss him because he was a wonderful, godly, full of beans kind of guy. Mm. And, but this, but this sums up the whole, the holy mystery part of, of this prayer for healing. We cooperate with the divine presence. You can't bluff a miracle and you shouldn't try to. You cooperate when the power of the Holy Spirit lands on you. And when that becomes rich and strong and profound, you pray toward that anointing into inside the framework of this anointing and ask the Lord to expand it. And Mm -hmm. as that occurs, the Lord's power is released through the power of intercession as you're praying for the person that you're, you're interceding for. We hope you enjoyed the show today. The Servant
0: Leaders Mindset Podcast is sponsored by Insights Plus Consulting. At IPC, we grow organizations through servant leadership. To learn more about me and IPC services, please visit our website by clicking on the link in the show description or at www.insightsplus.consulting.